Welcome to the Zenov podcast series on hyper-intelligent automation or HIA. HIA is a technology born from the confluence of AI and RPA, evolving from a conventional automation tool to a strategic enterprise game changer. In this series, we bring to you our conversations with leading automation gurus and industry mavericks on how they are defining new possibilities and business outcomes through automation. Hello, everyone. And welcome to this brand new episode of the Zenov Podcast's Hyper-Intelligent Automation Series. I am Praveen Badada, and I lead the digital transformation and private equity practice at Zenov. I am very excited to be here today and very delighted to be hosting today's session. Automation has been a hot topic over the last several years, which gained even more prominence in the wake of COVID-19. Automation in its several avatars, has been leveraged across several different verticals to combat some of the worst effects of the pandemic. The automation space is further heating up with the entry of tech giants and the accelerated growth strategy that they are leveraging to gain a firm foothold. To help us gain perspectives on how the automation space will shape up over the next few years, I have with me today Charles Lamana, Corporate Vice President at Microsoft. Charles is an industry incumbent who has witnessed and pioneered the evolution of the automation space. Charles incepted Metrics Hub, a cloud performance management startup, which was eventually acquired by Microsoft in 2013. And since then, he has held a number of key engineering management and product leadership roles within Microsoft. He currently leads the low-code application charter at Microsoft, including the much-revered Microsoft Power Automate platform. Charles, welcome to this episode of Zenoff Podcast, and it's really great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Praveen. I'm really excited for the discussion. Lots of lots of great things to talk about in the automation space these days. Absolutely, and uh, thank you once again for being here. Let me just get started with the automation space uh, and the larger macro dynamics there. Right, this space has been uh, abuzz with acquisitions and VC investments gaining momentum. Uh, over the course of last several quarters and more specifically in the last uh, year, right, in 2020 itself. Perhaps uh, Microsoft created the biggest buzz when you guys uh, made the announcement of soft automotive acquisition uh, and a lot of stories started unfolding around your focus on this particular industry. So I'm really keen to get started by asking you about uh, what really prompted the Microsoft shift towards the automation space. What are the different things that you're trying? In general, I think it'll be great if you can help the audience unpack the Microsoft automation story a little bit, Charles. Absolutely. So what we really uh, noticed and what we heard from our customers was that automation really is at the heart of how they think about modern workplace productivity, as well as how they think about business applications. Um, And so it just kept coming up and we kept hearing feature requests around what was Microsoft Flow at the time. Uh, as well as the rest of the power platform, which really started to pull us towards uh, going deeper and deeper into the automation space and make sure that we have a really first-class comprehensive automation offering. So it really really started uh, and ends with what we've heard from our customers over time. And that's how so much is built at Microsoft. Um, And and there's a whole bunch of reasons and trends in the industry, uh, like just a growing demand for applications and digital solutions as well as a shortage of developers and a shortage of IT professionals, which really caused our customers to be so hungry and have such a big appetite for automation solutions. 
And when we look at why or how Microsoft entered the market, we like to always make sure that we have a really unique and valuable perspective for our customers. And when it comes to automation, there's really three core things that we kind of wrote down as our principles when we launched Power Automate and entered the space. Um, the first being that we, we believe very strongly that automation should be cloud first and cloud native. Uh, basically, what we've seen in the past is a lot of automation solutions where either only desktop applications or on-premise uh, server-based offerings. But we believed that no matter what happens, that the automation solutions of the future are going to be cloud first because um, that makes it so easy to get started. That makes it so easy to govern what you create. And it really gives you scale and flexibility and agility um, that all of our customers expect. And this is no different than what we see in basically every other software category. The second item is that we really believe that automation is going to be low code in nature. This is just like what we've done for the rest of the Power Platform with Power BI, Power Apps, and Power Virtual Agent. We believe that automation should have a development environment that's accessible to everybody. Whether you're a business user, an IT professional, or a professional developer, you can use a low code solution to get started and get value. Um, and that dramatically increases the potential audience of the automation solution. And the third one, uh, and it's definitely not the, the least important one, the third one is that automation is going to be a lot more than just UI automation. Uh, in the past, one of the big trends in the market has been robotic process automation, which is historically very centered around UI automation and Windows-based automation. That's necessary but insufficient to really enable the automation and efficiency that our customers crave. Um, so things like API connectivity and AI capabilities like natural language understanding or document understanding are all going to be key ingredients to the future of automation. So those are really our three core vision items. And based on that, that's why the soft emotive acquisition made tons of sense. Um, and that's why customers have been so excited and so delighted about adding that to the Power Automate family. Um, so, and as we go look to the next few years, we think the, these principles really are, are holding true based on what we're hearing from our customers. And we're very excited to see where the market goes. Great. Uh, thank you for that uh, insight and the three-pronged uh, principles, uh, you know, Charles, on which Microsoft is really unfolding the, the automation strategy. I think uh, picking on those principles, uh, Microsoft had, has traditionally been focused on as a, you know, pro-code, pro-developer products, right? Your products are consumed by a lot of IT professionals and developers across the world, right? And uh, over the last several years, you've continued to make progress. You acquired GitHub, uh, you know, which is now part of your 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 suites and products. And then all of a sudden, you have this, uh, you know, kind of messaging around low-code, no-code platforms and the whole talk around uh, focus on citizen developers and, and things like those, right? So... Uh, from a customer perspective, you know, um, do you in, intend to combine these kind of pro-code, pro-developer products along with these low-code, no-code capabilities? How should one think about Microsoft evolution from a developer-centric company to a, a citizen developer, you know, centric portfolio uh, that you're kind of creating a buzz about in the market? Yeah. So what's really interesting is, is our, our worldview is that there's a spectrum of developers, um, on one, one end, that's where the citizen developers live. That's no code, low code. Um, they're not, they're not computer science. They're not coders. They're, they're not trained in how to actually do professional development, but they still want to create things. And then kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, you have people who want to write code, want to deploy to Kubernetes or building Azure machine learning models or, or more advanced things like that. And that whole spectrum 
is a, is a family of developers that we want to go enable. And one of the great things about working at Microsoft is that we don't have to actually choose between pro code and no code or low code. As a company, Microsoft supports all kinds of development, all kinds of developers. And we just focus on having the right tool for the right job for the right person um, for a given task. And then our job is to go make sure that all of that's seamlessly integrated. So we really talk about this entire developer tool chain at Microsoft, where if you're a business user, you can use Power Automate to automate tasks or Power Apps to go build a web or mobile application. Uh, but if you're a pro developer or coder, you can go deploy to Azure Web Apps or uh, Azure Functions to go host your service. And in all cases, you can wire it up with GitHub or Azure DevOps or do your development in Visual Studio Code. Um, and this idea that it's not no code, low code, or pro code, but instead it's no code, low code, and pro code working together with the right tool for the right place is a really important viewpoint for us. And, and we talk about this as having no cliffs, which is this idea that there's no cliffs in between the different types of developers, because the reality is it's not as black and white as you'd think between what makes a coder and what's not a coder. And the best way to support everybody that's involved and get everybody underneath the same tent and build that coalition of developers is to make sure you can seamlessly move left and right on that spectrum of development. So um, so I'd say we're absolutely going to keep focusing really in every aspect of this uh, to your question around pro developers and the low-code, no-code citizen developers. Got it. And just picking up on that, Charles, a little bit more, um, you know, when we look at the market, right, when we look at some of the peer companies of yours, companies like IBM, Google, SAP, you know, everyone seems to be talking about the space. And then there's this another breed of RPA-centric companies like the UI parts of the world and Automation Anywhere's of the world, who are also claiming to build these uh, sophisticated capabilities, AI-centric capabilities, pro-code capabilities on top of the platform. And we also understand that many of those RPA-centric platforms are now also collaborating with uh, some of the tech giants, including Microsoft, right? So in your worldview of automation, where do you think the industry is headed, right? Uh, who do you think of the two categories of tech giants versus RPA-centric companies uh, would find the most amount of traction as we go forward? And so I think the, the first thing I'd say is automation is so critical to the modern workforce. And I think everybody's realizing that. And that's why you're seeing so many companies entering the space, because everybody's hearing the same problems and the same challenges and the same opportunities from their customers. Uh, and that's good. Competition is always good. It's good for customers. It's good for the technology itself. So it's great news that there are so many players entering the space. Uh, if we go look to the future, there are kind of two things that I would say future success, basically successful offerings in this space for automation will look like. The first is that it's going to be cloud native, cloud first. Uh, we've seen this basically across every software category in the enterprise. Um, we know this very well at Microsoft going through our own level of disruption as, as we move to the cloud. But customers are going to expect a SaaS PaaS-like model which is fully managed, instant sign-up, instant provision, instant value, they're, they're not going to go look for things that run on-premise. So, so I'd say the cloud-first aspect is going to be key as you go look to the future. The second thing is I'd say we're a bit, in a bit of an RPA 2.0 phase. It's going to be a lot more than just UI automation or workflows. Um, what we're going to start to see is that a true automation solution is going to have things like 
low-code app construction, low-code data exploration and modeling, um, case management and routing. Think, like There's going to be a broad set of capabilities required to really enable those automation scenarios. Uh, and that's why at Microsoft, we frequently talk about the Power Platform altogether, um, because that includes Power Apps for app construction, Power BI for data visualization and analysis, Power Virtual Agent for chatbots, and Power Automate for the historical RPA or, or automation technologies, is we're going to start to see these all-in-one broad platforms, which are all about just making your business run more efficiently. And uh, extending the idea of the cloud-native uh kind of way of looking at automation. Um, while Microsoft, uh, in your classic business, you've largely focused on large enterprise customers. We believe that, you know, with the soft automotive acquisition specifically, you got access to a lot of SMB uh, style customers, mid-market customers, if you will. Uh, so I'm just uh, very keen to understand uh, in terms of your strategy around Power Automate and the platform, would you continue to go after the traditional large enterprise base that Microsoft is very popular with or with this whole cloud native premise, uh, there'll be a lot of kind of activity or interest in the SMB space as well. What are you really seeing in the market today uh, with respect to SMB adoption of automation technologies? Yeah, so I think what, what's interesting is for two reasons, we, we really think that we can bring automation to everybody in the world. And I really mean everybody, individuals, small companies, medium companies, large enterprise, Fortune 500. We really, the, our goal is to bring automation to everybody. And the two main reasons that we're, we think it's really possible is because of that cloud delivery model. Because um, you're not going to have someone in IT that can manage server infrastructure if you're a smaller medium company. You just don't have that level of uh, support. And that's where cloud is so key. And the second reason is because we already include Power Automate with Office licenses today. Um, not the full suite, but a, a version of it which has a lot of adoption and usage. And a lot of those small, medium businesses and a lot of the individuals have office subscriptions. So they already have access to automation today. And before the pandemic, we were doing some really cool things, uh, for example, in the Microsoft retail stores, where we actually were doing classes for small, medium businesses locally, where we would teach them how to use Power Automate to improve and run their business more efficiently. And obviously, that's put on hold given COVID. But... In general, our, our push is to go find ways to reach everybody. And that's that's always been the strategy and the vision for Microsoft. The, back to the original vision to put a PC on every desk. Um, and now our updated mission statement of to empower everybody and every organization in the world to do more. We really want to go enable companies and users of all sizes and all ability to automate tasks because we think it's just going to be the future of office work. And uh, assuming that uh, automation will become a key priority next year because of the economic uh, situation and the COVID-related uh, scenarios, what is the roadmap plan for Power Platform in 2021? Um, are there any specific uh, announcements or features that you are particularly excited about and customers should look forward to? Uh, give us a sneak peek into what's in store for Power Platform in 2021. Yeah, so I, I think what, one of the big things that we're really focused on is how do we continue to make it easier to govern and secure and operate a large-scale automation practice, um, particularly where you have thousands, potentially in some companies, citizen bot builders, people who aren't professional automators, um, but they're building bots or doing automation tasks or building workflows outside of IT. Um, how do you govern them and trust that things are actually operating in a secure and compliant way? 
Um, and that's been a big focus for a long time in the power platform. And it's going to continue to be a focus in 2021. Uh, and it may not be the most exciting aspect of the roadmap, but I would say it's, it's really one of the probably the most common conversations we have with customers as they go do big uh, power automate or automation rollouts um, at their company is how can they actually govern and control it? Because um, it's always about how do you do the bottoms up innovation, empower everybody, go improve their, their business process. So that's kind of the first item. The second item is a little more exciting. Um, and, and this one definitely, I'd say, gets me out of bed in the morning, which is how we're going to increasingly use artificial intelligence to, to help guide people to create automation. And this is really an important distinction because today in Power Automate, we have dozens and dozens of advanced AI features for things like image recognition, document understanding, natural language extraction, and so on. But what we're going to do now with AI is we're actually going to help people identify which processes and which workflows they, they can automate. And then we're even going to help them author those bots automatically based on very advanced artificial intelligence models that we've built. And um, the, we're talking AI models that have 100 plus billion parameters, so staggeringly large AI models um, that we've really been working on and training on a huge corpus of information um, and, of course, a way that's pri- that honors privacy and so on to really make sure that we can help our customers build bots incredibly quickly, leveraging the insights we have um, as, as part of being Microsoft. So that's one of the big areas um, that we're really excited about. Um, and then probably the third one maybe I'd call out is this growing con- idea of uh, collaboration and teamwork around building bots and automation. And so things like co-authoring, where you can actually have two users looking at the same bot at the same time and actually edit, it to, edit the bot together. Um, and make and add comments and make suggestions and make recommendations. So really make it possible for people of different skill levels in different parts of the company and even in different geolocations to collaborate on a single bot. And we think this is going to be a game changer because um, once you actually have these low-code development environments be as collaborative as what you see inside of Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel, we think it's really going to cause... Um, an explosion of and uh, like a positive explosion, just emergence of a ton of great new ideas that will really help improve the enterprise. Wow. Uh, well, I'm truly excited with all that you'll unfold next year with respect to governance, AI, and collaboration on the platforms. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, Charles. And, you know, thank you for the extremely interesting insights that you could share with us uh, today. Uh, it was real pleasure having you on this one. I believe that your poignant uh, take on the market, the competitive dynamics and the evolving customer expectations will be particularly helpful in firming up several new trends in the automation space. And uh, we are eager, eagerly waiting to see how the market heats up and uh, kind of what defines the, the pole position uh, in the years to come in this particular phase of automation. At Zenov, we will continue you know, on our never-ending uh, quest to simplify the complexity surrounding the automation space. And we shall be back very soon with many more exciting discussions uh, with the experts from the automation world. So stay tuned, everyone. And thanks for joining in. And thanks, Charles. Uh, for giving your time today and and sharing your perspectives on the market. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me again, Praveen. I look forward to, to hearing more from you in the future. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Hyper Intelligent Automation Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. To get more insights on how you can make your automation strategy count, connect with us at info@zenove.com or visit our website www.zenove.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Zenove podcast.